What's up? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 103, and today we're diving into James chapter 1. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So last week, um, we told you that we were going to start each week with a little segment, sound <laughs> sound professional, um, a segment that we're going to call Glimpse of Grace. And it's just ways that we've seen God's grace over the past week or so in our life. It's just a really good practice mm-hmm. to have um, just to remind yourself of what God's given you. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, Aaron, what is a way that you've seen God's grace over the last week? Well, Taylor had a procedure, um, and so he's been off work. Taylor's my husband. He's been off work for a week, and he has a really intense schedule. It's weird. He works 24 on, 48 off because he's a paramedic, but a lot of times he's so tired from work. So our, our schedule's kind of all over the place. Um, but it's been just so sweet to have him home this mm-hmm. whole week. Um, and so it's just been such a great glimpse of God's grace to just have him around and like just be here and not be exhausted from work, you know, because yeah. he's had the whole week off. So just like, it's been s- so great. And so I'm just really thankful. And that's just some grace from God right there. Yeah. Cause you didn't even really get that during the pandemic. Like a lot of us mm. did because yeah. paramedics were definitely considered essential. Yes. <laughs> so yes. yeah, that's, that's really sweet. How I about like you? That. So for me, um, it was going to church. <laughs> so yes. we got to go into our church building for the first time mm-hmm. um, since March. And I know that's still a ways out for a lot of you. So we realize we're we're very, very thankful for the privilege to be able to do that. But, man, God's grace was all over mm-hmm. that. And um, we had only been going to this specific church for about three months before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that walking in, it felt like home, Mm. that alone is God's grace. And I was thinking about this last night, actually, and I was like crying as I was thinking about it because um, of the relationships that have been built during the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. now we walk into that building and we know so Mm. many more people and it really, truly does feel like family. Um, And man, just to be able to gather in the AC um, for our youngest to be able to go to Sunday school. I mean, she just she was so excited Mm -hmm. the whole week leading up to it and um she just loves it and we forget like those are things that we took for granted for our whole lives essentially and so um to be able to do that again has just definitely been God's grace I feel like there's something about hearing all the voices singing too I just told Jonathan that I just told Jonathan that he asked he said because you know he's sound man this past week he said did the sound sound a little bit quiet to you? And I said, that's why I could hear all the voices. And I loved it. <laughs> like I, I, the sound, I guess was a little bit quieter, but I could hear everybody mm. singing mm-hmm. and I just, Oh man, it's just, it's so sweet. Yeah. And something that I didn't realize how much I loved it yeah. um, until it was gone, yeah. which a lot of things are like that. So that was definitely a grace. So this week we're going to be discussing James chapter 1 verses 2 through 12. And um, the theme is kind of a new perspective on trials. So verse 2 
through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I think all of our first reaction to this is like, what? No. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, like trials that does not lead to joy. So my Bible note says, count it all joy is a call to understand suffering from the vantage point of confidence in God's sovereignty. What follows is um, it requires careful thinking from a theological perspective. So we've talked about this a lot before about um, like, what you think about God and what you believe about God, like that's the most important thing about you, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it completely um, colors your whole perspective on life. And so that's what this note was saying that like um, for you to truly be able to count it all joy, even in the hard times, it a big part of that is what you believe about God's sovereignty. And I'm going to read Hebrews 12, one through two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him <laughs> endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And Aaron brought this uh, verse up to me the other night. <laughs> we were having kind of a funny conversation and um if you're Enneagram people Jonathan is a seven and Aaron's also a seven and they are all about like fun and um, joy joy (laughs) and rainbows and unicorns and all the things and I I mean I tell them both all the time I'm so thankful for the sevens in my life (laughs) because I need that um but Jonathan was joking and saying Jesus was a seven and so I told Aaron that and she was like well I just don't know about the cross thing you know I don't know that going to the cross is fun but the Bible does say he counted it as joy and it's crazy because then we were studying this verse about joy mm-hmm. and that that specific thing kept kind of ringing in my ear mm-hmm. like Jesus even counted like going to the cross joy because he knew that it was part of his father's plan mm-hmm. and he knew um what that ultimate price was for mm-hmm. and so like if Jesus could count going to the cross joy like can't we mm-hmm. trust that our trials mm-hmm. can be joy as well and so I just thought that that was kind of a good place to start it's kind of funny like how the Lord uses different conversations and things like that that we weren't even talking about prepping for the podcast at that point we were just laughing it was just a silly conversation but it's so funny because so um uh older woman in our church she was teaching this morning we're doing some videos and she was teaching on stewardship and she was talking about how her life verse is Philippians 3:10 and in that verse what it says is it says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death mm-hmm. that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection so I just think it's interesting like that conversation with her she had no idea we we're going to be talking about this but right. it goes so well with mm-hmm. what we're seeing in James and then also what we've seen like you're saying what we see um, and so we just it's just beautiful when the Lord like ties different scriptures together and so that's one of our favorite things and when studying is like cross-referencing and seeing how other scriptures help us interpret these scriptures that we're studying so as we're trying to interpret count it all joy when you meet various trials it's helpful to see what else does the Bible say about mm-hmm. trials and what else does the Bible say about joy and what does Jesus do and say about these things? And, um, I was listening to a sermon and I found it kind of helpful because I think sometimes when we hear this vo- verse, we think 
it's saying count my trial as joy. But if we read it very literally, it says count it all joy, my brothers, when you Mm -hmm. meet trials of various kinds. And so one of the sermons I was listening to from same, my my favorite, same guy, Mr. Ferg, um, he, he was saying count it all joy, not just the trial joy. And I thought that was really helpful perspective because when we're in a trial, it's often to lose sight of everything else that's going on. Cause we're so, whether it's a, you know, a health trial or a a loss of job or a, a loss of a loved one, or maybe it's not even something so big. Maybe it's just like, you're feeling the trial and the heaviness of mundaneness or what, whatever it is, we can get so focused on that one thing that we lose sight of everything else in the world. And so I think it's a really helpful reminder for us to, to stop and think, okay, there is this trial, there is this suffering. Um, and we can find joy through that because we know that it's ultimately for our good. That's what God tells us in his word. But at the same time, there are other things happening and there is always something going on that you can find joy in yeah does that make sense oh for sure I was listening to a Matt Chandler sermon surprise surprise and (laughs) and that's what he was talking about Mm -hmm. he was talking about this common grace and about how Mm -hmm. it's all from God and we'll talk about that a little bit more later but like it's okay to find joy in these other places like we've talked about on the podcast before I think sometimes as Christians we start to think that we have to live this like somber life Mm -hmm. you know where Mm -hmm. it's just all serious and for for a seven like Aaron and Jonathan like like, what that kills them they're (laughs) like and that's why I'm so thankful to have them in my life because I don't think that's biblical (laughs) <laughs> reads like over here pounding his fruit. He's, He's like, like I'm enjoying it. my fruit. Um, I don't think that that's biblical. You know, like they Jesus talks about joy mm-hmm. all the time. And so we are to live in joy and mm-hmm. enjoy what he's given us. Yeah. That's a very, very biblical thing. And so I love that I have people in my life that remind me of that. I think another thing we can pull out from this is it, it doesn't say like if you meet trials or if you have suffering or if it says when. when and people used to point that out to me and I would just be like, Ugh, like, I don't like that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to focus on that. But I think part of being able to find joy during when you face these trials is being aware that it's coming, mm-hmm. like giving ourselves a framework for understanding, okay, we are going to face trials. So let's not take that and think, oh, if I'm facing this trial, God doesn't love me anymore. True. We yeah. see in scripture, we're going to face trials. So we're not completely blindsided by it. And in that we're able to see, we are going to be able to count it as joy because we see Jesus counts it as joy. And because if he's asking us to count it as joy, then that means that we're going to be able to do that. And so I think having a framework for when those things happen is really helpful. I don't know if y'all can hear it or not, but Reed, he has this like frozen popsicle thing and he's like hitting his high chair with it over and over. (laughs) He thinks he's hilarious. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think that, I think that's really good. Like God will give us the the strength to count these hard things as joy. So a lot of times we want to, um, be sure we look at like the definition of words. So I looked up the word steadfast and it says firmly fixed in place or immovable, not subject to change, firm in belief, determination, or adherence, loyal. And in the NIV, it actually says perseverance, which is a continued effort to do or achieve something to despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. So I just thought that um, looking at that word steadfastness and the word perseverance, like in the NIV, um, was just a, kind of a good thing to do to, to tell us, okay, what exactly 
is he asking of us? You know, like what exactly are we supposed to have during these trials? And then another thing I thought about was it says that we will be made perfect and complete. And so this actually, I've, I've listened to James multiple times over the summer, just kind of over and over. But this past week, this kind of stopped me in my tracks because I was like, wait a second, like on this side of heaven, we're not going to be perfect and complete. So mm. what what does that look like exactly for like on earth, mm-hmm. like for us to be made perfectly perfect and complete? Um and so I was talking this out with Jonathan and of course we know that we are covered by the blood of Jesus and he see like God sees us as righteous and all of that, but in terms of like we're going to make mistakes, you mm-hmm. know, like we're not going to be living this perfect life. And so Jonathan said, well, Casey, like think about that 85 or 90 year old woman that is just like living her life um, in contentment. Like she has spent the last 85 or 90 years studying God's word, striving to be like Jesus. And she's like serving others and just living this peaceful, content life. Like she, he's like, you would look at her and think, say she's pretty close to perfect, right? Mm. Like, and I was like, yeah, that's true. And so I was thinking about this quote I heard from Jen Wilkin a while ago, and I've said it several times on this podcast, but, but she said that, no, we will never, like when you're thinking about sanctification, like, no, we will never be completely like Jesus. Like we will not but we can die trying, right? <laughs> like we should try yeah. every single day to be more like Jesus. Yeah. And so striving for that perfection, striving for that completeness, knowing that that won't happen until heaven. But when we live in this way that we can get as close as possible. Yeah. And I think this is the first time, right, that we're seeing how we mentioned last week that we're going to see the word perfect um, in James seven times. And this is the first time we're seeing it. And so I think keeping in mind that also that word perfect and complete means whole. And um, another I saw another translation of it is authentic. So saying like through these trials, our faith is authenticated. Yeah. So through these trials and this steadfastness that is created in us, it helps our faith to be more authentic Mm -hmm. and to be more whole and complete. And so I think having, you know, kind of a a bigger picture of the word perfect instead of how we think of perfect. Right. um, Right. is, Is helpful for us to kind of to understand, um, to understand that I was reading in my, so one of my Bibles is a Spurgeon study Bible and it was talking about this passage and it said, um, the, it's interesting that it says the testing is of our faith. So in verse three, it says, for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So I think often when we hear trials or testing, we think of physical, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and a lot of times it is, yeah. but that's just one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The deeper testing that's going on or trial that's going on is, is your faith, mm-hmm. is your faith solid? Yeah. If your circumstances are bad, does your faith Hold w- wane or whatever? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is your faith going to falter mm-hmm. because your circumstances? So the testing isn't necessarily what it looks like on the surface. Yeah. You know, a bad relationship, a loss, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But the testing is actually is, do you still believe God is good? 
Do you still trust in Jesus for your salvation? Do you still live your life surrendered to God, even when your circumstances make you want to do something different? And Spurgeon, what he says is he says, faith is as vital to salvation as the heart is to the body. Mm -hmm. So it's reminding us that the the, um, enemy is attacking your faith because it's when your faith falters, then you're not able to find joy. Then you're not able to um, have that steadfastness and perfection and completion because your it's your faith that the rest of that is built on top of. Does that make sense? Yeah, it and does. So he ends that quote by saying, by faith, God is greatly glorified. And by faith, Satan is greatly annoyed. And I just thought that was like a funny thing to yeah. think about, right? Like it annoys Satan that our faith is steadfast and that our faith is able to endure trials. Um, and so that's where he's going to attack. And so it helps us to, I like, you know, I'm seven wing wing eight and the wing eight is like a challenger. Right. So if I know that like, this is where the enemy is going to attack, then I'm like, Oh, bring it on like challenge. And I'm going to rise above. So just kind of, again, giving us that framework for understanding trials are going to come. It's deeper than what it seems. It's not just a circumstantial trial. It's really about your faith. So knowing the trial's more about my faith than the circumstance and knowing that it's going to happen kind of sets us on the right path to be able to find joy. And that's good when he compare, compared faith to the heart and being, you know, what, what's keeping the body alive and everything. It makes sense that Satan would attack that because like if you were going to attack someone, you would go to their heart, right? Yeah. Like that's the yeah. easiest way to kill someone. Like I don't want to get all morbid yeah. here. Jeez. Like okay. <laughs> my true crime <laughs> out here. But but seriously, like if you're wanting to like like a hunter knows, you know, sure. you want to shoot yeah. a deer in the heart or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like so it would make sense that Satan would try to attack mm-hmm. the heart. Mm-hmm. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. So do you have any examples? So we kind of see this progression where we see that um, these trials are the testing of our faith and it produces steadfastness and then steadfastness leads to being complete and perfect. Mm -hmm. Do you have any examples of like seeing this play out in your life? I mean, I think the, the biggest one that comes to mind is just walking through that season of infertility. Um, And I think, it was a long season. And so the Lord taught me a lot, but I think it's actually a really good example of this because, so I think, um, infertility gave me a chance to check my faith, right? If we're saying that it's, it's the faith that's being tested. I was, I had to really come to terms with, is my faith strong enough? Is my faith based on who God is, not on the gifts he gives me. Mm, yeah. Um, and am I able to count it joy in knowing that God is enough, God is sufficient, God cares for me and loves me deeply, um, even when it doesn't feel like that. Mm. And so I think it, I think, um, when I think of like what has produced steadfastness in my faith, that was probably the biggest season where I saw the Lord mm. just unearthing things in my heart where I was like, oh, no, I really am putting my faith in you giving me everything I want, you know, or I really am finding my joy in the gifts more than the giver. And so I think that that trial was um, the first example that comes to mind. What about you? Yeah, it's good. Um, So I was thinking about some things we've walked through this past year um, with with um, Jonathan's job and changing churches. And there were a lot of of trials through that. 
both like with relationships and with like worrying about finances and and then you have like the actual change of of job like Jonathan had been a pastor for so long and he was transitioning into this new role and like we talked about on the last episode like I didn't realize how much I found my identity in the role of a pastor's wife and so um you know God kind of using that to show me that Casey, your identity was never in this role, like your identities in me, um, and just some really hard times, but, um, kind of like Aaron said, like those, those trials, like I just had to really, um, depend on the Lord to provide for us both like financially and as far as a job goes and for relationships. And, um, then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh, great. You know, I'm never going to have these relationships again. We're never going to get plugged into our church, you know, like mm-hmm. just this, like never, never, never. Right. But, um, God provided that and, um, it has definitely strengthened my faith and, and produced this, this steadfastness in me that, um, I am more confident now than ever that, that God holds true to his word Mm. and in, in ways that we would never, ever expect. And I have some major control issues. Um, I really, really do. And I'm always trying to control these circumstances. And so I'm trying to predict like, okay, if a happens, then this is going to happen. If Mm -hmm. B happens, this is going to happen. Like I have all these kind of like, um, trails Mm -hmm. that I walk down in my mind. And the thing is like, God usually has like plan Z <laughs> and it's a trail that I didn't even know existed, right, but it's better than all it the rest is better. And it's far more beautiful mm-hmm. than I could have ever imagined. And I have seen this play out with, with our homeschool community, with, like I said, with our new church, with all of these things, mm-hmm. like it had nothing to do with my plan or or what I thought needed to happen. It's 100% God. And so these, these hard hard times have produced definitely produced a steadfastness in me now I still struggle every day you know and I have to go back and remind myself of the gospel and remind myself of God's faithfulness but um I definitely have seen this this play out in in just a a really beautiful way this past year what would you say if someone was like maybe a in the middle of a trial or like how, and they're like, I really want to count this as joy. Like what would be your biggest like application you could give them right now? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think like you said earlier, like maybe kind of take your eyes away from the trial for Mm, a minute mm -hmm. and look at what else is in your life Mm. that you can, that you can count as joy Mm -hmm. and, um, and see those things. And then another thing, someone, I don't remember who said this, but at one point someone told me to look back at Mm -hmm. what God's done for you. Um, And we see that a lot in scripture, right? Mm -hmm. Like God's always telling like the people of Israel to like look back at what he did for them. And so I do that a lot. Like I look back, like I can look back now, like over this past year and say like, God was so faithful to provide. I can look back at, you know, um, nine, 10 years ago when we, you know, lost a baby and walked through that whole thing. And, and I can see how God um, provided for us then. So I think that's a huge piece of it too, is like looking 
back and seeing God's faithfulness to you and to your friends and your family before. And that's another thing too, is that you can look at those around you. Like there have been many times that, um, sweet Reed, who's in the next room making noises. Like I have looked at him Mm -hmm. as a sign of God's faithfulness. Like Mm -hmm. I, I just, when I start to doubt, I'm like, no, like, look, look at these amazing things that you do and the way you answer prayers. And and so just look around you. Mm -hmm. Like if you can kind of take your eye off that specific trial and look like in a broader sense around you, I think you'll be able to find joy. That's good. I think that's good. All right. Verses five through eight. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James, getting in your business. Mm-hmm. Yep, double-minded man. I thought this was interesting because I've always blamed the roller coaster roller coaster of my emotions on my hormones. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm a girl, you know, <laughs> like I got those hormones or I'm, I've been like forever postpartum for what seems like forever. And so I'm like always blaming on hormones. And then as I've been reading this the past few weeks, I'm like, oh my gosh, like these waves that he's talking about, this like being tossed by the wind. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's what I have felt in my soul. And Mm. maybe it's not hormones. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not kidding. Like, maybe it's not hormones. Like, maybe it's my lack of faith. And this just like really convicted me Mm -hmm. this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because it almost seems like a big like change of subject. Like we're talking about trials and then steadfastness steadfastness and then it's like if any of you lacks wisdom it seems like almost like a change of subject but um when I was studying it I was realizing like this is not a change of subject he's kind of continuing Mm -hmm. his original thought and saying hey if you lack wisdom like ask God if you're like I don't know how to count this as joy or I don't know what it how to face this trial or Mm -hmm. I don't know what it means to be made steadfast and I don't know what it means when my faith is tested Mm -hmm. or where to go with that and he's like well let me help you ask God who gives generously and I I think it's just beautiful to see how um we put like these sections on scripture right but like that's not how James wrote it. Like he right. didn't say stop here. Yeah. New, yeah. new idea is like, <laughs> yeah. this is one letter. And so keep having that context is, is really helpful. And um, so I think just another practical thing, like we were saying is if, if you're in a trial and you don't know what to do, like start with prayer, like, yeah, like Casey sure. said, like take a step back, look around you and then spend time in prayer, praising God for the things that you can find joy in right now. And truly lamenting to God that your, you know, your faith is being tested and you don't know what to do with it. Like we are so, um, I was going to say hashtag blessed, but actually like we are so blessed that like our creator cares enough for us to come to him with these things and yeah. ask him for wisdom. Like it doesn't say, if you lack wisdom, ask God and, and he'll see if you're worthy enough. You know, it says just come to him. And I just think that's a really beautiful picture. And I think it's easy to read this and think, oh, gosh, James, you're being so tough again. Like you double minded man, <laughs> like, you know, like, well, if I don't have enough faith, like are my prayers not going to be answered? But mm-hmm. that's not true. Like we see in Mark nine where the father with the sick child, he cried out and he said, I believe help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's one thing to just not believe at all, but it's another thing to struggle with that, mm-hmm. to truly believe, but have those moments mm-hmm. of doubting. And like Aaron said, like Jesus wants us to come to him and yeah. say like, help my unbelief. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, um, it talks about wisdom and we'll talk a a bit more about wisdom as we go on in this book. But, um, I, this summer, this verse has been kind of ringing in my head over and over and it's Proverbs 9, 10, but this actually is said multiple times in the Bible, but it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then in this verse specifically, it says, and the knowledge of the Holy one is insight. And so I think that's an important thing to remember too. Like when you are seeking this wisdom and when, when you're asking God for this wisdom, like the beginning of that is having a fear of the Lord, not Mm -hmm. a oh my goodness, I'm scared of you. This is mm-hmm. like a reverent respect for the Lord. And that's just an important thing to to remember when we're we're seeking wisdom. Yeah, and I, I, I just can't help but think of the fact that we have all of Holy Scripture, right? So if we're, if it's saying like you're tossed to and fro, you, you have an anchor, like you have an anchor you can come back to. So if you're feeling tossed and you're feeling like you're being, you know, swayed back and forth. And it's telling, encouraging us to, to ask God for wisdom. And, and a lot of the times the way we find that wisdom is his answer is in scripture. Right. So we're, oh, yeah. we can come to scripture and, and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this, or I need wisdom in this. And we can search the scriptures and hear God's heart for us and, and gain wisdom mm-hmm. through hearing from God in his word. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So verses 9 through 11, let the lowly boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. So this this passage, I think, is just about kingdom focus. Like, what has eternal value? And I think practically that looks a lot like contentment. Like, mm-hmm. I keep thinking um, when we're talking about the word joy, mm-hmm. I feel like joy and contentment go really well together. When yeah. I think, like, if you were to ask me, okay, who are the most joy-filled people in your life? Those same people, I would say they're just really, mm. really content. Yeah. They're content with what the Lord's given them. They're content with what's around them because like we live in this more, 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 bigger is better. I wish I could just have this or be this culture. But if we lived every day truly on the things that um, will last and mm-hmm. the things with inter- eternal value, not only will we have joy, but we'll also be content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to read, um, I don't know if y'all listen to the journey women podcast, but it's another podcast that's really, really good. And the host of that podcast, Hunter, the other night was, um, answering some, like some Q and A's and someone asked her, they said, what things have you decided, um, don't matter to you in this season that tend to matter to many others. I loved, loved, loved her answer. She said, I I strive for the scriptures to determine what matters to me in every season. As far as I can see, it boils down to loving God and loving my neighbor. If something in my life is pulling me away from loving God and loving my neighbor, that prompts me to prayerfully reevaluate, seek the wisdom of the word, welcome the counsel of older women, and potentially change my ways or walk in repentance. I thought that was so good because when she says love God and love my neighbor, like neighbor, she is referring to her closest neighbors too, right? Like her husband and her kids and and people like that. But that just helped me like really put things in perspective because I feel like there's so many things coming at us all the time. But if it is keeping us from loving God or loving Mm -hmm. our neighbor, like Mm -hmm. maybe we need to reevaluate a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, keeping in mind all of the context that we talked about and before, like we're seeing echoes of Sermon on the Mount in this passage. Um, But we're also seeing like, 
the push on where is your identity, right? Where, where are you finding your identity? Like James said, he didn't, you know, like we said, he didn't find his identity in the fact that he was brother of Jesus. He found his identity that he was in the servant. So he's saying in this passage, we're seeing like, are you boasting in the fact of your richness or your, you know, in your material goods or whatever it is. And, and it's just like the rich will be humiliated, you know, like, and that these things pass away. And like you're saying that to focus on the eternal. And a lot of times that looks like us reminding ourselves, like that goes for our hearts as well. Like is our identity found on things that will pass away mm-hmm. are not only are we spending our time, but our thoughts and, right. and is everything rooted in the fact that, um, our identity is who we are in Christ, um, and not anything else. So this last verse, verse 12 says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Do you know what the crown of life so, is? Okay. I, <laughs> I always find the crown things very strange and I probably should just (laughs) study it more instead of just being like that's weird um but I'm interested to hear what you're gonna say okay so my bible note because I kind of have two and you know you always hear you'll have more jewels in your crown and I feel like that's a very baptist thing to say I mean I'm sure there's a biblical basis for it but um (laughs) somewhere in here but this is what this says um and I thought it was it was kind of um it explained it a lot better. Okay, so the crown of life that is promised by God could be translated as the crown that is life, likely refer- or likely referring to the future reward of resurrection. The crown of life, i.e. reward of resurrection, is also promised to those who pr- persevere through trial in Revelation 2.10. This crown is not something that is earned. Rather, it is the gift to those who turn from their own righteousness and rest only in Christ, Romans 6.23. Such faith necessarily uh, perseveres, resulting in the full experience of new life in the final resurrection from the dead. So essentially, it's just saying our resurrection, like our eternal life is the crown of life. So yeah, basically, that's all it's saying. (laughs) Did you have any other thoughts on this specific verse? Um, I just, I think anytime we hear repeating words is good for us to take note. And some of y'all already know, but I already love the word steadfast. Yeah. Um, it potentially could be part of a tattoo that I might get. Who knows? Ooh. But um, so I just, I really, I just like taking note of the fact that he's using the word steadfast mm-hmm. again in this passage. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to read this really long quote <laughs> from, <laughs> um, from Tozer and Matt Chandler used this in his sermon on this passage passage in James. And, um, I, I read it to Jonathan when I got in from my walk and I just think it's, it sums up this whole passage so well. Um, so here it goes. The follow field, which is the unplanted field is smug, contented, protected from the shock of the plow and the agitation of the harrow harrow. Such a field as it lies year after year becomes a familiar, familiar landmark to the crow and the blue jay. Had it intelligence, it might take a lot of satisfaction in its reputation. It has stability. Nature has adopted it. It can be counted upon to remain always the same, while the fields around it change from brown to green and back to brown again. Safe and undisturbed, it sprawls lazily in the sunshine, the picture of sleepy contentment. And Matt stopped here, and he he had a really good point. He said, doesn't that sound amazing, like sprawling in the sunshine, sleepily content? Like, that sounds great. Until... Um, we, we continue on in the quote. And so it says, 
but it is a pay, it is paying a terrible price for its tranquility. Never does it feel the motions of mounting life, nor see the wonders of bursting seed, nor the beauty of ripening grain. Fruit it can never know, because it is afraid of the plow and the harrow. In direct opposite to this, the cultivated field has yielded itself to the adventures of living. The protecting fence has opened to admit the plow, and the plow has come as plows always come, practical, cruel, businesslike, and in a hurry. Peace has been shattered by the shouting farmer and the rattle of machinery. The field has felt the travail of change. It has been upset, turned over, bruised, and broken. But its rewards come hard upon its labors. The seeds shoot up into the daylight, its miracles of life, curious, exploring the new world above it. All over the field, the hand of God is at work in the age-old and ever-renewed service of creation. New things are born to grow, mature, and consummate the grand prophecy latent in the seed when it entered the ground. Nature's wonders followed the plow. And like I said, that's A.W. Tozer. And I read this to Jonathan when I came in that morning and he said, he said, yeah, you know, I've already been thinking that as he mentors um, people in the coming years, he said, I'm going to challenge anybody that I'm mentoring to plant a garden. Um, Because as I've said before, like we've started gardening in this season and the lessons that can be learned are just, there, there are just so many. And so this imagery that Tozer's using and, you know, that Jesus uses throughout the Bible of like the plow and, and having to break apart this ground and like, it, it sounds so much better to just lay sleepily in the sun, right? But then you'll never grow, you'll never mature, you'll never get to, to bear this fruit. And, and I mean, as a seven, like, like Aaron and like Jonathan, like Jonathan was like, yes, like I want to have adventures. Like I want to just lay sleepily on the ground, you know, like you won't get to enjoy what life has to offer, but to, to enjoy that, to, um, live this life that God has laid out for us, like there's going to be pain and there's going to be trials. Um, and, but, but he'll be with us and, Mm -hmm. and, um, the fruit is worth that. And we'll see that even more as we walk through the rest of James. Yeah, I think it was reminding us of the whole life aspect of the gospel, right? Like we can't compartmentalize it and say the gospel is only for this part of my life. Right. It's for the trials. It's for the good times. It's for the plow. It's for the harvest. Yeah. Um, the so that's thing. that's a good a good word. And another thing that I've been thinking about a lot, especially in this past week, is like you're talking about like this holistic view. It's it's taking the long view, right? Like mm-hmm. when you plant a seed, that seed does not come up the next day, right? Like more than likely, I don't know. Zinnias come up pretty fast, but that might be <laughs> it. Like more than likely, it won't come up the next day. Like it takes a long time for it to bear yeah. fruit, yeah. and so we have to remember that. Like we can't expect to go through this trial and then a week later to see the fruit of that. Like we may never never see that fruit in our lifetime, but we have to trust that it's there. Yep. That's good. Good. All right. So our memory verse for next week is James 1 17. Whoa, sorry. Reed just knocked the <laughs> microphone over. Okay. Um, one seventeen, which says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows for next week. We're going to cover, um, verses 13 through 18. So if you want to, you can memorize that whole part. It's only five verses.
Erin's created a fun workbook for the kiddos to go along with this study. You can access it at our website under the resources tab and then the family section or on our link tree on our Instagram at Adorn Ministries. And so we would love for you to download that and print it out for your kids so they can study James alongside us. All right. See you next week. I won't see you. You'll hear us next next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.